It's that time again for the assault on your ears. We call Lower Dorks, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast. I don't know, Stavros, you just want to introduce us tonight? Since apparently you're the only one good at doing anything. You know what, I would, but uh, I'm, I'm, I've just finished pulling this knife out of your back and uh, starting the theme early. Well, tonight on our screens is episode 9 of season 3, Trusted Sources, and in our cups is the same thing that's on our screens, a backstabber. Indeed. Uh, we are drinking a backstabber cocktail. First time I've had this. Um, it consists of melon liqueur, scotch whiskey, and herbal tea. Um, and at your recommendation, I actually just took a uh, herbal tea packet and I just dunked it in some scotch and I left it for a while um, and came back and kind of mixed it in with the uh, watermelon liqueur. And, you know, you're, you're giving me grief earlier because I didn't chill the, the watermelon liqueur properly because apparently that's, you know, important to the cocktail or whatever. But you know what? This actually is a kind of tasty drink. I used a kind of a, a very smoky scotch and it's, I don't know, at first I was skeptical, but kind of tasty i'm kind of digging it yeah i'm a big fan of this drink uh mine i don't think turned out quite as well as yours the first time i tried this was again with you know the the scotch with the tea leaves basically mixed in it and set out on a windowsill like he would make sun tea and then that's dedicated yeah the guy who did it i mean well he owned a bar so you know he knew a thing or two um (laughs) well you hope anyways makes Um, sense yeah. But anyway, so he would take the scotch that he's, you know, left the tea leaves in and he would then pour that into a rocks glass and then he would pull out a melon liqueur, which in this case I usually, he used a watermelon liqueur, which is now what I use and, right. you know, poured it in. He never said there was a set amount. It was always like a single would be two ounces of scotch and then you would just pour the watermelon liqueur into taste. And then right. that mixing, just the, the act of pouring and the fact that the melon liqueur is chilled and right. the scotch is warmed would cause them to do their own light mixing to the point where when you drink it, it would like be these two competing flavors, which you really, really do enjoy. I personally used yeah. a lavender tea just because it's what I had on hand and Dewar's whiskey. I'm going to say I don't recommend it with Dewar's. Dewar's is a very bland mm. whiskey, in my opinion, which I'm sure there's not people out there who will lynch me for it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think next time I'll probably go with, like you said, something more of a smoky tasting flavor. Yeah. Kind of surprising how well those flavors work together. So I may yeah. make this in the future, especially now because I have the random watermelon liqueur in my uh, alcohol closet. It is a wonderful <laughs> mix. Well, let's talk some about the episode in which backstabbing occurs. Do you see what I did there? I did. The it's a good lead-in. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate that. Yeah, now if only I can get <laughs> anyway, you to appreciate me. Don't uh, get your hopes up. But anyway, trusted sources. Uh, when a news reporter gets posted to the Cerritos, Captain Freeman hopes it will get her pet project approved. Unfortunately, Mariner stops at nothing to give her opinion as well. And that's where the backstabbing occurs. Probably not Mariner, though. Everyone thinks it is, but it's not. Oh, I think it's Mariner. I mean, this was an Ides of March situation. I were to get there, <laughs> but Jesus, man. Like, I yeah. would, you know what? Ed, too, freaking Jen and Boimler. And I know. what yeah. Everybody. I'm, I'm kind of upset about that. Like, I expect this from the captain, because she is not good at her job. But everybody else? <sighs> yeah, it's kind of sad. A little sad. Yeah. But I guess we'll get there. Yeah, I guess we gotta we gotta actually talk about what happens in the episode before we spoil. The yeah, episode. we really should. 
Yes, because everyone that's listening to us has not seen the episode yet. I just assume they they stream us as they're watching it, <laughs> just like at the same time. Yeah, yeah, they're watching it but at like half don't do speed. That. So <laughs> that's weird, but you know whatever floats your boat. Yeah. <laughs> oh Jesus. God! But let's talk about Project Swing By. So right off the bat, I have, I have trouble understanding what Project Swing By really is. So this, as Captain Freeman says, the Cerritos is good at second contact, but isn't Project Swing By just like second contact, but like way later or like third contact or something? Well, I get the feeling that like second contact is like just this haphazard thing. Like, because if you think about it, that is supposedly the Cerritos' like prime mission, but they've done yeah. it almost never. And even then, it feels <laughs> like it's like a... Like an offhanded, just you were in the neighborhood, might as well check on the neighbors, you know? <laughs> Definitely yeah. hasn't been the prime mission, whereas I think this is supposed to be like an organized, hey, these are the planets that have been visited, somebody has to go visit them. Like, that was the feeling right. I'm getting. Like, it's an actual program as opposed to an afterthought. So it's like X years later, you finally get sent on a swing-by mission? You know what, I think it would probably be a lot sooner. I just feel like... There's a lot of dead worlds out there left in the wake of the cruise, <laughs> of the main Star Trek cruise. You know what? I, that's funny because I wanted to talk about that next. So, <laughs> you know, they get sent to the uh, the planets. Let's see. Omara and Brecca. You may yeah, recall the, the drug, drug dealer planets. planets. Yeah. From TNG's episode Symbiosis in season one. What I love about that uh, episode is, that, of course, there are drugs. But if you recall, the, do you remember they have like little zappy fingers and they like attack people with their little zappy fingers? I do not remember zappy fingers. It's probably one of the many things from TNG I blocked out. Like, you know, <laughs> most of season one. Early TNG. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. But, you know, it's watching TNG in particular. I'm sure you've heard of the term um, uh, pigeon management, where you or seagull management rather, where you you know the manager kind of flies in and poops out over everything and like yells at everyone and then leaves. Uh, I feel like TNG exemplifies the uh, seagull diplomacy, where Picard pops in and like totally destroys systems of government and then pats himself on the back and calls it a day. And like the last shot is the Enterprise leaving orbit, and then that's it. <laughs> that's literally what happened. I have literally never heard that term before. Um, very familiar with Seal the management. style of leadership, but uh, <laughs> yeah, now you know. Yeah, apparently uh, that's that's a thing. Yeah, huh. <laughs> but I love that that is like so common in Star Trek. Like, especially TNG was the worst about it, right? Yeah, like, absolutely. It's not even until you get to like DS Nine where it's all like they show up, completely disrupt the local uh, society, and then like the society collapses before they leave. And you get that, you know, famous shot of O'Brien and Bashir walking away from the dead planet. It's just like, I feel like that had to have happened, but Picard never saw it. He was always gone. No. I feel like there's probably a scene where they're, like, going into a briefing, and Data's all like, and an update from the planet Klaxicon 27A, and and Crusher's just like, no, Data, no, he doesn't need to know. No. (laughs) <laughs> you know it's it plays the happy music and it says executive producer gene roddenberry as the enterprise at leaves orbit and it's happy music that must mean everything's fine yeah but it's like it's the same thing like it's the whole uh avatar problem like you know after the credits roll in that movie avatar the humans just show up and nuke the <laughs> pandora <laughs> You know? And that had to happen. Like, oh, in yeah. the original episode. Like, regardless of how they portrayed here, in the original TNG episode, you have two planets that are screwed. 
the yeah. one's main source of income has been destroyed, and the other yeah. is about to go through a killer withdrawal Hell cycle. Killer withdrawal. Yeah. <laughs> 10 to 14 years? Jesus Christ. I, I don't... Yeah. <laughs> like, Jesus, people, get Space AA. 10 to 14 <laughs> years for recovery? That is pretty bad. But, like, I don't care what happens. There's no way... Even if you shut off communications, there is no way that the follow-up to that episode is not a brutal war between those two planets. No. They didn't really have a navy. Neither of them really had a space navy. I no, think. but they, they had travel, right? They had space travel yeah. because they were trading yeah. with each other. Right. And you know, the next shipments, it doesn't matter whether they're, say, they're grain or medical supplies or trinkets. The next shipments are <laughs> going to be people with guns. That Absolutely. Yeah, I, I love how those guys were like, you know, we work out to quiet the voices in our heads. <laughs> That's a little dark. I was like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, super Because what super is this? Dark. This is what, 17 years later, right? And you guys are still having problems with withdrawal? What were you on? <laughs> Jesus! That plant was really strong, I guess. Uh, apparently. Gen- generation later. <laughs> but you know what? That's, that's why they need this project swing by, because... 17 years is a long time to go between completely screwing over an alien culture. Uh, that's funny. I, I love how Freeman calls Admiral Buenamigo, and he just suggests that, you know, maybe it's secretly run by kids or run by someone pretending to be the devil, which are direct references to original series yes. and TNG episodes. Not strong episodes that. either. <laughs> um, you know what, actually, <laughs> I vaguely remember it was the Children Shall Lead, right? Or yes, a Child Shall one. Lead. Or, and the children, 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 yeah. I think. In yep. TOS, I remember that mm-hmm. one not being too bad, but it probably was. You know, I only saw TOS <laughs> late at night in my preteen years, so probably misremembered. I thought it was amazing. You're like, yeah, the kids run that planet. But it was <laughs> was it a reference to that, or was it a reference I think to so. uh, Baylock from the First Federation? Oh, that could also be it. I don't think it I is. It, it doesn't one. make any sense. I'm just trying I to mean, make tenuous connections like a proper youtuber <laughs> great work <laughs> oh man mash that subscribe button yeah <laughs> <laughs> we should just stop posting these to youtube only like two people watch I, <laughs> that's true uh the funny part is is that uh someone suggests i figured if it's the admiral so he goes just go back to beta three and landrew and i was thinking like that is actually a very good idea they literally just did that that'd be a great project swing by a planet where the starfleet has to step in the, and the fix. next time they go back there it's it's going to be taken over by a robot again oh yeah they're just going to break landrew out Ooh, yeah. peanut hamper and peanut uh hamper and agamus <laughs> what's his face yeah, agamus, agamus. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll get to that later right Yes, yes, indeed. Then they get sent to Brecca, the uh, the planet that sells them the drugs. Um, and I, I love how they land, and Captain Freeman's like phasers out, and then they're like, okay, and they all draw their weapons, and then they all they like immediately split the party four ways. Yeah, which you know, playing D anD D, you never freaking do that, man. I How'd love you do that? that. Like, did they not do any scans when they first got here? Did they just like show up and immediately <laughs> beam down? I think someone was scanning, but. It did not. Uh, apparently, Breen don't show up on sensors or something. Apparently not. Neither yeah. do uh, what is was this Breckens? Are they Breckens? Breckens. 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 Wait, no. But speaking of the Breen, is this the first time we've seen them in in canon since DS Nine in the timeline? I think so. Right? Uh, I, They're just out there causing trouble could be i think though like at the end of the dominion war like didn't they get sanctioned pretty heavily 
seems like it. Yeah. But they're still out here causing trouble and raiding well, planets. You know, for maybe some reason, maybe so. they're ready to raise hell. I don't know. They're they're all upset and they're just taking over random unaffiliated planets. But I do love during the battle when like they're getting ready to fight the Breen and Shax is all like, The Breen don't take prisoners and it's all like Nearly every episode they are in, they have taken prisoners. Don't tell me they don't take prisoners. That was amazing. It's like their modus operandi. I think even in like the first mention of the Breen in TNG, they are referenced as taking taking prisoners. Yeah, or slaving or something. (laughs) Uh, That's pretty good. You know, it's during the space battle. Oh, some cool things about that. We got to see Breen ships, which was great. Yeah, are they the right scale though? Good question. I can't remember how were they supposed to be larger. Did you feel like they were too small? In the I episode? feel like they were. They were this. Yeah, I felt like they were too small. A little small. But I'm like, yeah. you know, I I seem to recall them being roughly the same size as the Galors, Galors, Gallers, Gallers. I don't know. Galors, something like that. <laughs> right in uh, the Cardassian ships, that they were roughly right. the same size. But I always kind of forget how much smaller those were than like the enterprise so like i tend to see the yeah. green ships like on par with the enterprise but no they are actually quite a bit smaller and then i also tend to forget just how big the cerritos is like i always view it as this little yeah. tiny ship despite all its yeah. windows the saucer's big though yeah yeah but it's actually the saucer's pretty big yeah it's it's a pretty it's it's a pretty big uh ship so i'm thinking they may be closer than i'm giving them credit for but i don't remember them maneuvering like that that's for sure yeah, and they, I like they brought back the little energy dampening weapons. Yeah, although it kind of disappointed me how effective they were. Like, yeah, <laughs> they they had they had solved this problem. God dang it! I know, really. Maybe they, they were just like, yeah, we don't apparently. need to upgrade the California class. They're never going to see combat. <laughs> nope, nope, never. I love how uh, Captain Freeman goes uh, orders a full spread of torpedoes. Did you notice that they actually? I think this is the first time we've seen the torpedo launchers on the Cerritos. They've got these like dual mounted uh, torpedo launchers. Yeah, and I think we had always kind of assumed that's what those were, but we just didn't know for sure. Yeah, we've never seen it. Yeah, but yeah. I, I feel like they fired torpedoes before, but I'm not sure if we've seen them coming out of these torpedo yeah. launchers. Yeah, I think you're right. But yeah, really solid space battle scene. Yeah. Really enjoyed it. Did you know, you notice the Breen sh- take out all of the torpedoes and Shax goes, they covered the spread. Yes. Oh but my like, God. Isn't, this... isn't that like a yeah. betting, betting term? term. <laughs> this episode is just full of great one-liners. Like, I know it's a common trope in this uh, series, but man, this, this episode just takes it up a notch. Yeah, it's pretty good. And then, of course, we get the ship flying in to save the day trope returning once again with the Texas class. Yes. Admiral Buenamito's pet project. They were really leaning in hard in the merchandising of this episode, weren't they? Like, that's their primary goal. They got to, like, yeah. they got to like episode nine, and they're like, oh, shit, we're way behind our merchandising quarters. Quick, throw in a bunch of new <laughs> ships. <laughs> Eagle Moss will pay us. Oh, darn. Awkward. No more Eagle Moss. But, yeah. New ship. Everyone loves new ships. I mean, it's hard to go wrong. Yeah, I'm sure we're gonna have a great ships of season three. But you know what? Yeah, point. we'll, we'll talk about this. it at some point. I kind of like the design of this, but yeah. it does have some problems. But my real problem yeah. is, why is it the Texas? If it's an unmanned ship, mm. shouldn't it be something like the Wyoming or something? Or like no one lives there? Yeah, or like a laugh. You know, it is a powerhouse. It's like taking out these green ships with one shot, except for the ramming ship at the end, where. It- Yes, has to shoot a lot and Texas, famous for getting taken out in one shot. It makes sense now. <laughs> Roll reversal. Totally. And now we lose a quarter of our listeners. Sads. 
The real question, though, is it's an automated yeah. ship, right? Yeah. Yeah, didn't they already learn about this back in the Ultimate Computer with their, what was it, Multivac? Yes. In fact, did you see in the in the HUD that was highlighting the ship, there is a was a graphic that is very reminiscent of the M5. Yeah. So I guess we're just hoping that uh, Daystrom wasn't involved this time. I think the only time we've so. ever seen Daystrom do anything, he cocks it up. He just has the, the institute name. Yeah, apparently he got legacy. one thing right, and it was an institute. I made this and he probably building didn't even built it. full of labs, and that's my claim <laughs> to fame. Don't look at anything else I've done. <laughs> so do you think Buenamigo is a bad moral? He, he was using this to, uh, like, he knew about the invasion, and he's using this to show off his pet project instead of the uh you're asking me if i think he's a malamigo exactly no a bad moral malamigo i think this is a total misdirect i think that he was trying to save carol's butt and so he decided to roll out this program prematurely and that is i'm a little worried he was very close i mean that battle lasted like under a minute and yeah, but I mean, come on, how big is Federation space? They they went back to Earth from DS9 <laughs> the on the far-flung frontiers. Like, every season, <laughs> you know? That's true. It's as big as you want it to be. Exactly. I don't know, I'm a little worried. I have to watch this uh, Buen Amigo guy. His name is too convenient. Yes. The real thing, though, is... So now we have automated robot ships. We have, you know, Cyborg, Rutherford. It's hard right. not to draw the conclusion that they're related yeah. somehow. But there's no yeah. way, because that was my first thought in, you know, the episode where they showed Boimler's implant getting installed in his background. Uh, my first right. thought was, oh yeah, that's going to turn out to either be Buen Amigo or Admiral Freeman. But right. he didn't really fit their body types at all, so mm. I'm still holding out yeah. that it's going to be unrelated and this is all just a misdirect. Mm. Or maybe it's just another episodic episode in my comedy cartoon show without any <laughs> real meaning or interconnectedness. How dare you? I'm holding out for the whole uh, AI taking over the galaxy with the use of their Texas-class computer ships. So no. it's going to be Peanut Hamper uh, and Agamus. And... I feel like we don't need to redo Discovery Season 2. Um, <laughs> I think you're right about that. Yeah. We've already got you know <laughs> hints of Section 31, and now yeah. we got robot ships. And You know what? If a super alien computer shows up with a massive data core i'm just i'm calling it quits sorry guys i'm done that's just too much yeah, yeah. and then suddenly you know yeah. i guess can't do red angels they already do that they'll be like i don't know what pink angels purple, like angels, purple angels or something um, yeah plaid <laughs> angels yeah, actually i'm okay with plaid angels you want to do a plaid angel make it happen i'll, I'll watch that yeah that's the only thing you'll watch is plaid <laughs> the angels have gone to plaid Oh, man. I do want to go back to one other thing you said, though. Because I'm yes. calling bullshit on this. Uh-oh. And that is the ship to the rescue trope. Yes. We have only seen it... They've used it a lot. No, once before. Once the Titans before, come in Titan. at, at Titan. least twice. It's been the Titans showing up. And then in the holodeck, we just saw this. It doesn't count. It's two. a holodeck recreation oh, of The story inside a story scenes. doesn't count. Yeah, it doesn't so count. Because it's recreating <laughs> that scene oh, from First Contact, okay. right? It's yeah. not a real dramatic moment. And in the episode I before see. that, when the alien ship comes to the rescue of Cerritos, it doesn't count because it's a Chekhov's gun. Good it's got to gotta be a yeah. real unforeseen ship coming out of nowhere and saving them. 
So this is only time two. I don't know. You're you're having to do a lot of mental gymnastics to make this work. Well, I mean, it I guess if that's what you call using your brain, me personally, <laughs> I just call it having a thought, buddy. You know what? We're just going to agree to disagree, and um, the internet will just have to tell you how wrong you really are. You know what? Just Why don't you uh, take this knife out my back, buddy? I, I'm trying to push in a little bit for you. It has to pop out of your chest like in uh, like what happened to Picard when he lost his heart. Yeah, so well. It has to look like that. I lost my heart long ago, my friend. Oh, Nothing in there sad. but a lump of coal. A lump of coal? Wait. How are you alive? Anyway, <laughs> let's move on to the uh, one of the other plots. That's, of course, the Mariner with the Reporter. That whole shebang that uh, ends up rather dramatically. But let's talk about the Reporter first. She has this uh, pin on that is very reminiscent of the CBS logo. But the funny thing is, doing a little sleuthing online... If you look at one of the only other places where news reporters have shown up, and that is in the intro sequence to Generations, they wear pins exactly like that. So kind of just a coincidence that it looks like CBS? definitely. Yeah, I think that's a coincidence. (laughs) But this is definitely a callback to the uh, reporters at the launch of the NTB. I mean, they've even got the, you know, the the hover camera things. Although I think in Generations, they weren't hovering. Like, they were, like, attached to their head or their shoulder or something. Right. Yeah, they had little headsets. Yeah, it's definitely a reference to that. There's there's no way it's not. Yeah. So here's the thing about this reporter character. So, you know, we're getting into the nitty-gritty of this, but they spend a lot of effort in this episode making it seem like this reporter is very on Captain Freeman's side and is taken by Mariner to, you know, discredit, you know, the crew, which of course turns out to be basically the complete opposite. I don't know. Is she the one doing the backstabbing? I feel like she could be the backstabber in this so, one. No, she's like very like the whole thing is, yeah, she's totally playing the oh, I'm the, you know, dumb reporter in love with the, the right. captain and her ship. All the right. while, you know, digging up dirt to tell this story that she wants to tell, right? Right. And here's how I know, right? Because when they beam down to Onara, she mentions that she feels safe with such an amazing crew. But that was after she did all the garbage interviews interviews that trashed on the crew (laughs) that she uses in her hit. Yes. She hadn't met with Mariner yet. So clearly she knew what she was doing. Like, I hope (laughs) we see this character again, but like she's out of work and discredited for running a hit piece. (laughs) Yeah. That's the only way I ever get satisfaction from this episode. I was kind of hoping for like a Mass Effect, like a Punch the Reporter type situation, but it never happened. You know, I I will say this, though. I love the fact that uh, when she finally does, you know, out what she really thinks of the crew to the captain, she basically describes every episode from this series in the most absurd way possible. (laughs) And you have to sit there and go, no, but it's accurate. It's definitely accurate. (laughs) That is what happened. That was pretty funny. A lot of stuff about Q. You know who remains cool and collected and on point the entire episode? Ransom. You know why? Because he's too busy hitting on the reporter. Yeah, I'm a little disappointed he Talking got about his glutes. shot down. You know, that's Steven's <laughs> role, not, not Ransom's. Uh, Character assassination true. continues. But he, he kind <laughs> of sticks up for Mariner. He's yeah. very honest and very like pro-Starfleet in a great way. Like when they first mention the... Uh, previous visit by picard ransom's all like yeah that's not good (laughs) they just (laughs) and i'm like i love that even ransom calls out how it was a shit thing for picard to do like just more evidence that ransom is true blue starfleet ransom is the captain we need in the next star trek series 
You know, even Ran- Ransom even acknowledges that uh, transferring Mariner to Starbase 80, a little overkill. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He, he's like all upset at first, but he's like, what are you doing? But he does you his can't job. Just do that. You know, so he's not quite at Picard levels of taking no one's shit yet. So he's got a ways yeah. to go. I feel like this entire series is a Captain Ransom origin story. I feel like you'd make a good captain. I feel like you're not on board for would. my Captain Ransom origin story. <laughs> I will send you my fan fiction, and I think you'll change your opinion. Oh, is it uh, is it slashy or um, just asking? Well, I mean, is there any other? Good point. Oh man, moving <laughs> on. Yeah, let's go back to the. I want to talk more about the red herring with the reporter. The thing is, with the with the writing of this episode, even Mariner's attitude is kind of all over the place. It's funny because for you know when when the reporter first comes on board, Mariner is actually surprisingly understanding with Captain Freeman. She you know says, oh you know Carol's gonna Carol, we just gotta stay out of her hair. But then she gets all upset when uh, she doesn't get let into the commander's lounge, and she goes like, oh I'm gonna. She kind of storms off. She goes, I'm gonna go tell the truth, and then like proceeds to like have a calm conversation with the reporter. So it's like the episode is trying very hard to to, to work in this red herring. A little too obvious for my taste. Yeah, it was very obvious. Like, everything, I think we all saw what was going to happen here except the Breen. Nobody saw the Breen coming. Like the goddamn Spanish Inquisition the Breen are. (laughs) But, you know, (laughs) I can't what we're doing here. Um, (laughs) You know, I mean, like, so it really does, though, like, in Mariner's arc for the season, right? She's upbeat. She loves being a part of the crew. But she's also yeah. able to, you know, channel that in a good outlet. So there's like, there's no way this was going to be bad. And I even think Ransom kind of knew that Mariner couldn't have done anything that bad, right? Yeah. So I just totally. Yeah. I mean, I, we all knew it was coming though. But here's this is this is where we really get into my problem with this episode. First off, okay. nobody gives Mariner the benefit of the doubt after no, everything they've all. been through, and not even her mother, who's having you know a fit of rage. But it lasted yeah. long enough for somebody to fly to them from Starbase 80, Mariner <laughs> to pack her stuff, and go meet with them. Yeah. And there was never a point where Captain Freeman was all like, okay, I kind of lost my cool. I need to undo this. No. There was never no. a point where Ransom was able to talk sense into her. And nope. through all of that, nobody... No one's on her team, right? Nobody yeah. was on her Zero. side. Well, actually, the, the lower deckers kind of were, right? No, you know, Boindler was like, like uh, don't really yeah. believe her. But no. nobody asks her, Sad. what did you say? Yeah. Nobody. They just accept that she said all the terrible things. Yeah. And the funny part is, like you said, her arc this season has kind of been a long-term redemptive arc. And... You know, it's so sad when she's not rewarded for uh, for actually saying the good things. And it's everyone else that are poopheads on the uh, on the crew. Yeah, it's just, you know it's what? I, I think that this episode, that was the true betrayal. It was the yeah. Cerritos crew. And I mentioned how Mariner's the worst, right? I'm not a big <laughs> Mariner fan, but this episode <laughs> did her dirty. Yeah. Especially Jen. I mean, Boimler I could kind of get, but Jen, like, complete. I mean, they are... How uh, that left a bad taste in my mouth. After that uh, it doesn't scene. surprise me. She was only dating Mariner because Mariner's the bad girl. For the novelty. That's how those yeah. relationships Maybe always right. end. They reach yeah. a point where they're like, "I dated you because you were the bad boy, but I didn't expect you to actually stab someone." It's like, "Bitch, I've been <laughs> you telling you I'm going to stab oh. someone since we met." 
Uh, well, at least uh, Mariner does run off with someone at the end. She's quit Starfleet, and she's joined with the archaeologist from a few episodes ago, Petra Eberdeen. I love the ship, by the way. The asymmetrical ship. It's not even that it's like asymmetrical, because that's pretty cool, except for the whole warp core or warp nacelle problem. But I like that it has a very cobbled together aesthetic. And I feel like that would be everywhere in Star Trek. Because like especially it goes back to when they first introduced the Defiant, where they're like, Yeah, the ship doesn't really fly well, it's gonna fly itself apart. And they're like, Oh yeah, so we just like rerouted power from, you know, this system and reinforced the you know structural integrity field they did something with the deflectors so it's just like oh so now the ship flies just fine it's like well if that's all it takes you know (laughs) i feel like you could make a everyone would do it starship out of a cardboard box and a warp nacelle yeah maybe that's basically what this ship is by the way if you didn't catch it if you freeze frame at the right moment you can tell that the name of the ship is the free spirit that doesn't surprise me at all i didn't freeze frame at the right moment though my bad next time gotta work on your freeze frame skills if there's one thing that I've got out of the show, it's freeze-framing skills. Well, you know, you just got to download every episode and upload it into a video editor so you can go frame by frame. That's the only <laughs> way to watch Star That's Trek. That's dedication. The only way. Literally the only way. <laughs> uh, before we get off the reporter plot, though, I've got uh, some things to say about the delayed pie-eating contest. I don't know about Is you. Is this the new ballroom dancing gag? Please come <laughs> back. Bring it back. <laughs> There's so many things. Why? First of all, why is Mariner covered in pie filling in blueberry pie but filling? But here's the when real the question: contest hasn't happened yet. Well, she was practicing. How much pie filling <laughs> is she covered in? It's on the it's walls of the transport. <laughs> it's on the floor. It's on. It's everywhere, and she tracks yeah. it all the way from the uh, turbo lift wherever she is. Yeah, all yeah. the way back. How much? <laughs> Of this stuff did she get covered in? I mean, she obviously wasn't eating it. What was she, bathing in it? I don't know. Oh, so many questions. I, I have no idea. Unexplained. That's a lot of pie filling, though. Yeah, I mean, and Rutherford, of course, doesn't respond to this well at all. Oh, not at all. He has a pie problem, I think. I I mean, he, makes a, he says he hasn't eaten in a while and he wants a pie. I think it extends deeper than that. Yeah, I'm like, come on, Rutherford. You can always replicate one. But nope, he just wants to be put yeah. out. Why does he want to get shot? He just 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 stuts so he can stop craving <laughs> the pie. Oh, I see. It'll knock him out for a while. Yeah. He has a nice, uh, he nice little like ransom like Terry shirt open moment. You know, there. this is starting to raise a question for me though. Like, I can totally okay. see tearing the TOS shirts. Those things look pretty flimsy. But like, yeah. I guess TNG was flaps. pretty flimsy too. But like. From yeah. the movie era uniforms, the TNG movie era uniforms on, and even like the, the early DS9 uniforms, they felt like they were made of sturdier material. I feel like that's not yeah. happening anymore. Yeah, I don't know. Anyone could just tear their shirt open, I guess. I mean, so. like you get it caught on like a door jam or something, and suddenly you're walking through your shift naked. <laughs> uh, did you notice uh, Tendi goes, I've been practicing dislocating my jaw for pie eating. Is that a thing that happens during pie eating contests? Does people dislocate their jaws? I, I don't think I don't on think Earth. So. I hope not. But maybe it's like one of those things that, like, you know, Orions can do. They can dislocate their jaw. Mm. Have we seen this in Star Trek before? Not. I don't know if we've seen anyone purposefully dislocate jaws in, in Star Trek before that I know of. I bet it happened in I don't Enterprise. Know. That just feels like something that happened yeah. in that show. Like something Flox would do, maybe? Well, I don't know. Flox, I don't think Flox. But maybe we saw an Orion do it, and now they've <laughs> made it a part of the canon that that's just a normal thing Perhaps. they do. Who knows? Yeah. 
But uh, the biggest thing about the delayed pie eating contest is Boimler mentions that it's basically the biggest night of the year, not including Pond Fars. And this raises all kinds of questions, all right? What how, how many Vulcans yeah, have we seen? How many Vulcans are on board yeah. the ship? But I, don't the think they're, I don't think there are that many. I don't think that that's, you know, reasonable, right? Unless, like, no. like it, maybe there's just, like, a few of them, like a handful, like ten, but it's such a huge spectacle and like they always wind up fighting, you know, for their mates that it just oh well, you know. <laughs> like every is, year though, yeah. it's like so they say it's an annual thing. So, I mean, if Ponfar is every only needs what is seven, it, seven mating years? couples then. Seven oh mating couples. Oh my god. My theory. Yeah, so what is yours? Is that they That's have turned the Vulcan Ponfar into an annual holiday. Yes. That like, is it's what the I think mating well. party and just they go full like crazy Vulcan <laughs> behavior and try and hook up with other members of the crew and like they fight over you know it uh it would it's the landrew red hour or whatever yeah you just only, get you your know, weapons more and... sexy <laughs> yeah i totally agree they've just like appropriated the vulcan pond far and like one day a year this like you know everyone just goes crazy i, I say i desperately want to see this but we all remember no, what think... happened the last time we got yeah. some sexy times in this series I feel like that uh, maybe that sexy time uh, simulation was, uh, you know, kind of drawn out of you know the actual annual event. That's the blueprint for that one. I doubt it. Who knows? I feel like that was a callback <laughs> to the crazy space alcohol disease episodes. Oh uh, yeah, it could be TOS and yeah, TNG well that also affects robots <laughs> for some reason. Obviously, I mean, you know, baby's basically human, right? No, not at all. That is not how alcohol <laughs> works. No. No, uh, but you know what? I do? we do figure out how something works in this show. We did this episode, and that's Starbase eighty. Oh my god! Or how it doesn't work. Finally, you know what? This was a reveal. Are you surprised that they brought it back? I brought it up. I I am surprised that they they revealed so soon. I expected it to be more drawn out. But you know what? I love their resolution to what Starbase eighty is. It's like the backwoods hicks of Starfleet. <laughs> I mean, they show up in like yeah, yeah these jumpsuits, the jumpsuits, these like crazy jumpsuits, like very like TNG era badges. TNG they just got badges, like the old, outdated, like TOS junk. style uh, colonist jumpsuits. They're yeah. in like a rundown box shuttle pod from yeah, the Type 15s, yeah, the early TNG the shuttles, early TNG shuttle pods that are just awful looking, yeah. and they don't even just yeah. like, these are awful looking, but they're also absolutely filthy. Oh, I just yeah. love it. It's fantastic. I love the uh, when Captain Freeman calls Starbase Eighty. They have a Rolodex. The guy like, pulls out the Rolodex so with isolators in it. We all know the person <laughs> we deal with that still has the oh, yeah. Rolodex on their desk. Absolutely. And we're just yeah, like, 100%. why? Why? I know you own a yeah. cell phone. This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, I love it. I wonder if we're going to get any more looks at Starbase Eighty. Dude, it's it, just going to be if they don't it. revisit it, I'm I'm going to be bummed. Like I. I <laughs> could care less I, every scene that features Cetacean Ops love it Right. could care less yeah. about Cetacean Ops Starbase 80 <laughs> I need it to come back uh, it was so good I love that um, what else oh there's a couple other like tiny little nuggets um, in this episode do you agree that Dr. Miglimo continues to be the worst I love that when he becomes captain <laughs> he immediately calls his mother was it his mother or his grandmother his mima. yeah his I, grandmother. I, don't, I don't know i can't translate these things and you know i yeah. come from a respectable family where we refer to our betters <laughs> as mother and father as grandma and grandmother oh, and grandfather <laughs> but yeah uh, i love that he calls his grandmother 
<laughs> oh, don't call me while I'm working. <laughs> Immediately backtracked. Oh, I wonder, do you think Troy did the same thing when she first got into <laughs> command? I, I, I feel like her uh, family line would not have responded quite as well. I think no, they would have cared so. a little less. Yeah. I don't, I don't see Troy calling her mom about anything. I do love the fact, though, that, uh, you know, this is the second time we've seen a counselor in command. Actually, third time now. And, uh, you know what? I think this is the first time they haven't crashed the starship. Ooh. There is that. Nothing happens while he's in command. Although he does allow the green ships to sneak up on them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was was pretty terrible. I feel like they probably weren't even, like, hiding. They just flew up and somebody on the bridge was like, "Uh, Sir, and he's all like, I'm talking to Meemaw. (laughs) I think you're totally right. Um, a couple other funny little little nuggets. If you recall, the guy turning people away from the commander's lounge, um, that's the same dude that welcomed Tendi onto the ship where he goes, keep it moving, Lower Decks. I think any time that they need someone to like say Lower Decks in a uh, disparaging way, they just bring this character back. I don't know if he has a name or not. It's this balding white dude with brown hair. Um, I, he just goes, turn it around, Lower Decks. Keep it moving, Lower Decks. Yeah. Just this one guy. I wonder, he's probably shown up like tons of times and we've just never noticed. Just never seen we it. just weren't yeah. nearly focused enough on it. Yeah. Um, and the last tiny little nugget, when they have the shot in the uh, lower decker area, the same dude is walking around in just a towel, the very buff built dude. I can't remember if he has a name or not, but that dude never is in a uniform. He's always fresh out of cetacean ops or the, or the showers. Yeah, which, once again, sonic showers! <laughs> Why does he need Don't a need towel? Don't need to get dried. Yeah. He just wants to show off his uh, buff bod, man. He put some work into that, and he wants to show it off. I do want to know, is this, like, intentional? Is there, like, somebody on, like, the production staff that's always all like, yeah, make sure this guy's in the background whenever you show these scenes? (laughs) Or is this, like, there's some, like, frustrated animator who's, like, (laughs) that's his avatar? And he's all like, Uh, yeah, I'm not going to give me weekends off. I'm going (laughs) to stick my guy in here. I don't know. I'm kind of leaning towards the, like, the animator and, you know, someone's like, you know what? We need more characters in this shot. And the animator's like, okay. And they just shove Towel Man back in there. I don't know. It is definitely a good running visual gag. I didn't even pick up that he was in there. Yeah, it's uh, one of those freeze frame moments, but it's, he's definitely there. Which one is that in? <laughs> is that in, like, the first one? Because that was just the Warp Core 4. It's one of the later shots. Okay. Man, now you're going to make yeah. me rewatch the entire episode looking for it. Thanks a lot. I mean, I didn't obviously. have anything else to do tonight. Not, not at all. Is there anything else you meant you saw or want to want to mention? Best line in the uh, episode: "Camera adds ten frowns." New favorite line. <laughs> oh god! You didn't like that line? Such a great. It was pretty good. Yeah. It was pretty good. I saw where they were going, and uh, I appreciated it. I didn't laugh really. I was like, oh, you know, that's that's kind of funny. Well, fine. I'm, I'm different. Not... Different jokes for different uh, folks. Yeah, I mean, some people have a sense of humor, and some people don't. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's some people have, true. laugh at weird things and some people don't. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think we're all in agreement on who's laughing at weird things. Yes, yeah. Yeah. definitely in agreement, 100%. Yeah. I mean, maybe we should go to write the final thoughts. I liked this episode. It had some good jokes in it. Uh, I don't know if it's in my top episodes in this season. Um, I liked it better than Peanut Hamper, that, the episode, that much is for sure. Uh, I, I feel like they're, they're just going to bring 
Mariner back in the next episode. So I feel like there's there's a little it's like a little too easy to see where things are going there. Plus the red herring thing was so obvious. I kind of had to roll my eyes a little bit at the uh, cartoon show. Yeah, and that's that's there. where the real question is: Was it really a red herring, or was it just like this is the plot, and we don't expect anybody to be to yeah. find? It's not life changing, you know. Yeah. So if you're looking for a good plot, you know, like a like a uh, intrigue, then this is probably not the episode for you. But I loved this. I loved certain jokes, like the pie eating contest, and and certain things like that. So it's got it's got some strong pluses, but also some minuses that made me kind yeah, of roll my eyes. I'd bit. call it a pretty pretty decent episode. Definitely three stanchions out of a funeral pyre. Oh, is it a lit funeral pyre though? That makes a big difference. No, just a funeral pyre. Oh. Uh, just an yeah. unlit funeral pyre. Yeah. I see. I mean, it's not that bad. Jesus, gotcha. man. Clearly we know what you <laughs> thought of the episode. I know. Anyways, yeah, I think uh, I think that's enough of your betrayals, Stavros. I know. When are you going to learn to trust? Out. To trust. No. Never. Hopefully by next time. Because then we're watching the season finale. I'm excited. But, you know, until then, you can catch us on Twitter at Lower Dorks, or you can feel around your backside for a knife jammed in there by someone I thought was my friend. Hold on, I just gotta stab a couple more times before we close the episode out. Hey! <laughs>